Hey all, this is Sean Gerber. Thank you for listening today, but before we get started, I have a couple of questions for you. Are you caught in the daunting maze of CISSP preparation, unable to find your way forward? That's precisely where I found myself when I began studying for the CISSP. Overwhelmed would be an understatement. There are now an ocean of CISSP training programs available, and are you unsure which ones to trust? I remember the struggle, but there was nothing accessible to me outside of the pricey boot camps. And that's precisely why CISSP Cyber Training came into existence, to illuminate your pathway towards acing the CISSP exam. At CISSP Cyber Training, I've forged the CISSP blueprint into a step-by-step guide to navigate you through the intricacies of the CISSP journey designed to provide you the direction and guidance you need to pass the CISSP exam confidently. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to what one of my students, Kevin Fallon, had to say about the CISSP blueprint. This is precisely what I needed in your course, direction. The blueprint is the perfect roadmap to stay on track. I appreciate its clarity and tangible sense of progress it brings. A phenomenal tool for revision. And then there was another from Christopher Wagstaff. Sean Gerber, your guidance was invaluable throughout the CISSP study and certification process. Thank you for breaking the monotony. Once you've wrapped up with the podcast, make your next stop, CISSPCybertraining.com, and let's together turn the tide in your favor, meeting your CISSP goals and catapulting your career in cybersecurity. Now, without further ado, let's get going. Giddy up. Welcome to the Reduce Cyber Risk Podcast, where we give you the tools you need to meet your regulatory requirements while helping keep the evil hacker horde at bay. Hi, my name is Sean Gerber, and I'm your host for this action-packed, informative podcast. Join me each week as I provide the information you need to best protect your business and reduce your company's cyber risk. All right, let's get going. Okay, in this episode, we're going to talk about cyber risk management. We're going to go over some basic knowledge around cyber risk. And the, the first thing we're going to start off with is cyber or risk management. And, and basically, when you're dealing with risk management, how do you manage the issues that come up within your business? The risks, the, the, the things that could go wrong. How do you manage those within your business? And this requires a lot of input when you're thinking about ri- uh, adjusted risk for cybersecurity. Uh, and in case of this, it would be like if you have input or collaboration across your business. So if you've got your HR people, your IT people, if you have a manufacturing facility, your operations people, uh, and it doesn't matter if it's a big manufacturing or small manufacturing, if you have something like that, and if it comes into your um, business of your financial institution, do you have your tellers? Are they connected with all of this? Or is your HR connected with it? So to fully understand the risk to your organization, you need to have everybody involved. It's not just an IT problem or it's not just an operations problem. It's the whole business's challenge. So you need to get the people with the best knowledge with the right people on your meetings. And this is critical when you're planning to, your path forward and what you should do because it's really hard to you can make these great plans and have these good ideas. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the right people in the room to talk about it and get best knowledge, it doesn't matter, right? So You'll, you'll kind of create all of this in a vacuum, and then you think you've got the right plan from a cyber risk perspective, but you've left out something in regards to finances. So I'll give you an example. 
let's say for instance you are a banking institution and you know that you do you pass um, your your finances your EDI finances are passed through SWIFT or something like that they're they're done through electronic data exchange well if you don't have the people in the room that know that system and understand that system and you think you're putting in a successful program to protect it but yet you don't have the key people to tell you that you know what we have two people that have to say before any money's transferred, we have to have these two people have to agree. Well, you think that, you know what, it's only one person, but in reality, there's two people involved. So you've got to have those right people in because you may build a, a solution for this one person. I only have one person that is going to approve these, these financial transactions, but in reality, your business has two people. And so therefore, you build these security mechanisms that really aren't needed. So that's why it's important to have the right people in the room. So you need to have the key decision makers. So now that the big difference there is you may have people that understand the technology, but do they really have the ability to make the decisions around it? So you say, for example, yeah, it's your cybersecurity guy. I'll use me for an example as a, as a security officer. Do I have the decision rights to make changes within our organization? There's some things that I can, I have the decision rights to go, no, can't do it, -uh, not gonna happen, right? But in many cases, I'm an influencer trying to get the people that have the decision rights, the ops leaders, the, the CFO, the CEO, to make the changes, to agree to make those changes, because they have the ultimate decision rights to make those changes. So you gotta make sure you know who these people are, and don't make assumptions, whatever you do, don't make assumptions, because you may think that person has decision rights to, to make this change, but all of a sudden, let's say this is a company-wide thing that you have to put into place, company-wide security program. Well, if you don't have the boss involved in this decision-making, whether it's the CFO, the CEO, or one of the, the vice presidents, potentially, you're, you're just wasting your time. So you, get, you have to have the right people in the room to help make the decisions. And you need to review this plan annually. Okay, so it, it's like anything else. The moment you've created it and you put it on paper and you say, oh, we're doing it, it automatically has a shelf life and it starts to become stale. So you have to continue to do this. You have to continue to look at it. And that's where that care and feeding really comes into play as you're dealing with these. And, and I'll go back real quick on that slide. You really need to ask yourself what keeps you up at night. So if, if you, I've asked, when I was in the military, I'd ask generals, I said, what keeps you up at night? Well, I'm worried about this system being hacked and all the information going off to North Korea. And, and so that's really what this person was worried about. Well, so then you got, that changes your dynamic on how you're going to protect. Because if, if it's his situation, he goes, you know what, HR is bad, finances are bad, but at the end of the day, those, that military weapons information is extremely important to me, more important than the HR or financial data. So what are you going to protect? You're going to protect what's important to him or her. So that's what, you, again, you got to ask yourself and review that information on a, on a yearly basis. So you need to identify the data. You, what's the most valuable data to you? Now, what's most valuable to the HR or to finance person may be very different than what's most valuable to the operations person. So you need to figure out, have all these people in the room to figure out what is the most important data to your organization. And what I recommend is you put together like a, a risk register, a, a register that's set up specifically around what is the one key things that are in your organization and what is the highest risk around those. I was, I'll have another couple trainings that'll go on the in the future on these, but bottom line is from a risk standpoint, you need to document what is the most important data and the most important systems to your organization. Now this will vary on business unit, right? So some may only have personal identifiable information. If you are a company that deals with credit card information, you have very specific data, and that specific data is relevant to your business. Well, 
that is what is your most important data is that credit card information and the the people that have entrusted you with their personal information that PII so Equifax a good example they didn't really have any equipment or anything it was all about the data so when they got breached that was their most important data that was the most important information that they had about their organization so you need to understand but you may have multiple things you may have personal identifiable information you may have intellectual property you may have um, your your financial information you know your how your company does all of those pieces and parts you really have to decide but then as you get this all broken down you gotta break it to the brass tacks of going what is the most important thing work on securing that and then work your way down from there again identifying the data then you have to identify it it takes time don't rush it don't get in a mood of going well I just gotta have something and you can do that if you know you have some barn burning things that you have to address immediately but at the end of the day, you need to take the methodical approach to identify what data is most critical to you if you really want to truly protect your business and your business's data. Uh, you define your data. So again, you define, is it intellectual property? Is it vital records? Is it health records? What is it that's the most specific piece about your information? And what you can focus on is we call in is the CIA. It's not the Central Intelligence Agency, not that, but it's confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Now, those are some key points that we talk about in the cybersecurity space. And we'll start with number C, or with number C, with letter C for confidentiality. How is it protected? What is protecting it? Is it protected in the fact that if something were to happen to it, like, say, for instance, you have your secret sauce, your 11 herbs and spices, is that protected that if that got out and somebody got a hold of it, is it still protected? Is it wrapped in its own little protected mechanism? Um, or is it raw data where if somebody got it, that's the end of the day. So that's your confidentiality. Are you protecting the information from a confidential standpoint? Integrity. Is the communication path secure? If you have from point A to point B, are they both secure? Are they in a situation where if I send something here, someone in the middle can go ahead and intercept it and then may modify it and then send it on its way? That's integrity. Is the data in, uh, fully protected? Okay, is, it, is the data stream integrity? Is that, it doesn't even make any sense, but you know what I mean. It's, is there integrity between two points? Okay, uh, What are the protections on the data? Is the data encrypted? Is the tunnel encrypted? Is the data before it goes through the encrypted tunnel encrypted? So what is the integrity of the data and the data stream? Availability. Is the data limited to users based on role? So role-based authentication. Is it is it set up so that uh, it's based on location where you... Only people within China can access the data within China, which is again to be part of the Chinese cyber law where potentially you want to keep that stuff localized. But you're going to get more, that's a different angle, but more and more countries are going to want that. Again, available. Is it taken out by a, a stray backhoe? Is it available to your users? So again, CIA, confidentiality, integrity, and availability. So a questionnaire will, will help you determine what is the critical data. And you can do this through a very simple questionnaire or through a very large questionnaire. It really kind of depends on you. But I highly recommend you start off, start small, figure out what you know, but define what is that data that you best know it. And then build a questionnaire, not 20 or 30,000 questions, but maybe like maybe 10 to 15 questions to help you narrow down what is the important to you and your business. De develop a critical data inventory, kind of called a, a risk register piece, piece of, of information. And you, you may have you may have to to get this from other places, but the bottom line is your critical data and your critical systems. So what of your data? So the eleven herbs and spices 
or your system that houses that critical data. Do you have the, Do you keep it on a spreadsheet or do you have a, a specific system that stores all of this data? So again, critical data, critical systems, and that together will be your critical data inventory, okay? So you need to identify the technology that meets the same criteria above. So do you have specific data, specific hardware, specific applications that meet a very tight criteria? Uh, as an example, in the military, they have very specific hardware that you could use for these classified systems. It was very specific and it was very defined. And that was a critical component of that system to protect it. You have technologies outside your business. So are you looking at uh, the cloud? Are you going to store your secrets in the cloud? A good example of that is the military has now decided to store many of the secrets they have in the Amazon cloud. Well, they wouldn't just willy-nilly go and do that. They have a process by which they're going to ensure that it's protected. And then do you have controls in place or technology in place, i.e. firewalls? Uh, do you have role-based or some sort of access control, multi-factor authentication? Do you have things in place to limit what people can get to? So again, that's how you identify your data, and then you start working your way out from there. So threats and vulnerabilities against the data. So you need to consider that. It's a consistent across the industry. Financial, manufacturing, they're very different. So are the threats the same or are they different? Uh, if you own a bank, of which a friend of mine does, if you own that bank or that chain of banks, is your threat different than when I was in the military flying B-1 bombers? Yeah, it's very different. The networks on the B-1 were very different then than they are today. Even time has changed. Uh, if you're in the manufacturing space, you manufacture widgets of some kind, is your intellectual property important? It could be. It may not be. Uh, it may be one of those things where the intellectual property is just a quick moment in time. Once it hits the net, the uh, the world, then it no longer is as as important as it was when you first developed the product. Uh, you know the the um, I'm trying to think of the iPhone for an example, right? So the iPhone when it first came out, the intellectual property behind that was just huge. Now they still have IP as it goes on as they're having new versions. But at the end of the day, the old iPhone is still out there and it's been copied, modified. Many things have done to it. So that's where you have to kind of weigh what is most important. When it first came out, the brand new iPhone was the was everything. But now the iPhone 10 is it. So is that intellectual property still important? Some pieces of it probably are, but much of it may not be as important as the new iPhone 10 and beyond. You need to understand your business sector or geographic location. Um, you know, are you an airliner? Are you in Ukraine? Right. Um, that's a. It's interesting how the the whole space is changing. I have a friend that went now to go take care of um, artificial intelligence to fly with with uh, one of the major air aviation competitors or aviation companies, and he's going to be studying on stuff that's just bleeding edge. Right. Well, is that a different threat than what? I work on just just say in the manufacturing of a widget for an airplane here in Wichita, Kansas. Maybe, maybe not, right? So again, you have to understand your business sector, geographic location, what is your data, who are your competitors, all those things have to be considered. And also other things to think about is your how regularly review the business threats and vulnerabilities and assess, assess your likelihood on how you're going to get hacked and if you're going to get hacked. There's vast resources available, the FBI, other organizations throughout the globe will provide that information for you. Recently just came out, the FBI in the United States just issued a warning that there's going to be cyber criminals trying to hack into banks and use the ATMs to basically in a coordinated effort to steal cash out of ATMs. That's There's things out there to kind of help you with that. Now, I'm not in the banking industry, so I'm not as worried about that. But my buddy who is in the banking industry is worried about that. 
again, it just depends on the situation. Uh, locations from threats. You got FBI's InfraGuard. You got U.S. CERT, National Vulnerability Database, and other paid companies out there, CrowdStrike, many others that will go and provide you the intelligence you need to protect your business. Uh, there's free services and paid services. You just have to decide what is the most important for you. You, you got to ask yourself this valuable information around the questions. What's the value of your information? What if it's made public? What does that do to my business? What if a competitor acquires this information? How does that affect my business? Uh, take the highest risk value and risk rank order these things. Uh, you may not, competitors may not be a big deal. Some people it is a big deal. If you're a bank, are you worried about the bank across the street? In most cases, no, not really. They have, there's really not a lot of competition in the fact that once they get established, they try to get people. But once they have their, their core group of people, they kind of stick with them. So that's different than let's just say in the aviation world where you're coming up with new technology and your competitors coming up with new technology. Well, that's a different avenue of, of stealing. You could have espionage involved and so forth. Develop a process to mitigate or accept the risk. So you got to ask yourself as a company, do I want to accept this risk or do I want to go ahead and try to put a mitigation in place? It may get to the point where I have to spend so much money to mitigate the risk. It's not worth it. I'm just going to accept it. So those are the things you got to walk through as you're going through risk management. Okay, so what we talked about in this episode is just risk management as a whole and how you have to identify the data and how important it is to find this data and actually have to define the data. And then once you get all that figured out, then you got to determine the associated systems that are connected with that data. And then you have to put an inventory in place so that you know where it lives, what is it, and why you risk ranked it the way you did. You also need to understand the threats and vulnerabilities against the data and what could potentially be the likelihood of why you might get attacked. And then the last thing is, is figure out the value. And it might not be a physical pro or dollar value with this. It could very well be just it's a reputational value. So you got to figure all those things into the play as you're going through this whole process. All right. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll move on to the next uh, lesson here in just a little bit. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening today, as it was my pleasure to prep you for the CISSP exam. But are you interested in some free CISSP exam questions? Head on over to CISSPQuestions.com and sign up to join my email list, and you will gain access to 30 free CISSP questions each and every month. That's a total of 360 questions just for signing up with CISSP Cyber Training. You will also gain access to other free resources, so just head on over to freeCISSPQuestions.com or CISSPCyberTraining.com and sign up today. All right, have a wonderful day, and we'll catch you on the flip side. See you.